Well, uh, let me add a good welcome or good morning to you as well and a Merry Christmas. And uh, especially to you kids, we're glad to have you um, in service with us uh, this morning. And parents, it's okay. I've got three kids. We weren't, this isn't like, we're going for like real Christmas night, uh, animals around, noises, chaos. It's okay. Um, that's how we want how we want it. But um, especially if you're, if this is your first time with us as a church, we're glad to have you um, with us. We have a gift we'd love to give you on the way out just as a way of saying thanks for being with us um, this morning. Well, if you're sitting at the end of the aisle, go ahead, grab a clipboard, fill that out, and begin to pass uh, that down um, the aisle. And uh, in those clipboards are are prayer cards. If there's any way uh, we can pray for you as a church, we'd love to do that. Um, Fill out the card. Uh, You can give it uh, just to me or to Andrew or to Naya. You can drop it uh, back at the sound booth. Um, We'd love to pray for with you if there's any way that would be helpful um, to you. Well, announcement's pretty simple. Uh, today's Christmas uh, Eve, uh, if you didn't know that. I loved it. Uh, Micah, my middle son, who was the one saying he had a brother earlier, he was the one talking. When he got up this morning, he walked out and he saw the snow and said, it's, it's Christmas time. Like, he was just so, so joyful. Um, so today's Christmas. That's really the only announcement. And uh, uh, we hope you'll come back at 3.30 and 5. We have our, our traditional Christmas Eve um, services this, uh, this evening. And then next week, we'll be back here again at 10 a.m. for one service for New Year's Eve. So uh, those of you who are with us every week, we're not going back to the school, Trail Ridge next week. We'll be back um, back here where we're kind of living it up in the hotel life uh, a little bit, like ceramic mugs. What's up with that? Uh, if you, uh, When you're done with that, just so you know, in case, because I wondered, like, what am I going to do? Did I take this home? Like, what do I do with this? Uh, we have little, like, little server tables uh, placed throughout where you can just drop your cup once you're dr- done drinking your coffee. Um, but uh, yeah, we're living it up this morning. So uh, with that, let me pray for us, and then we'll jump into one verse this morning um, is what we're preaching from. So let's, let's pray and ask God's help, and then we'll, we'll jump in. Uh, Father God, this morning we slow down just to look at, at one single verse. Uh, when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so was 2,000 years ago, John the Baptist tried to get everyone that was around him to stop and to look, to look at Jesus, to see Jesus for who he really was, the Lamb of God who takes away our sin. And so would you help us just to stop and behold this day? Uh, no matter how old we are, whether we're, we're three years old or we're 30 or God, no matter our age, would you help us just in our own way to stop and to look and to see the glory of Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away our sin, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, one of my favorite things to do this time of year is to, uh, to decorate for Christmas. It's like the one time of year I actually enjoy decorating, getting our, uh, our Rubbermaid tub of Christmas uh, up from the basement, drag it up the stairs, and, and just put all of it out into our house. Put up our tree, put up the ornaments. And even when I was a kid, I loved decorating uh, for for Christmas. I love putting ornaments on, on the tree. And I love my, at least at this point, my own kids love that. They love putting ornaments on the tree. And then they love taking ornaments off the tree and like running them around the house. If you come to our house, our, our Christmas tree, all the ornaments are like adult height and above. Like the bottom half of our tree has no ornaments um, on it. And, and when I was a kid, my favorite decoration that I would decorate uh, was a nativity scene, a ceramic nativity scene that was handmade by, by my grandmother, by my, mom, uh, by my dad's mom, my grandma Spanberg, and, and I just put it out with such pride. It was, I always wanted to be the one who put it out um, because it wasn't like, uh, you know, a store-bought nativity. It was, it was ceramic. It was handmade. It was from someone um, who I loved. It was very meaningful to me, and so this nativity scene was always kind of the front um, and center of, of my uh, childhood growing up decoration um, because I don't know if you know this, like there are, you can buy just about any nativity uh, scene uh, imaginable. 
um, that not everyone has a homemade nativity scene. You can buy just about whatever uh, one you can, can think of. And so our nativity scene at the Spamberg House now with me as an adult is the little people nativity scene. Um, kids, how many of you have this at your house? How many of you play with this, right? This is a, this is a good one. Uh, when Isaiah was uh, his first Christmas, we got this, and this was our nativity scene. And, and I, I remember the first time Isaiah opening up and just surveying all of the different pieces in it. And then, like, just like a, a scene out of a Christmas movie, Isaiah reaches in and he pulls out the baby Jesus first. And then he, uh, he tried to eat the baby Jesus right after that. <laughs> so we're close, right? We, he saw the meaning of Jesus, just took it a little too, too far. So you've got the little, uh, little people nativity um, set that uh, you can get a nativity set on Amazon with bears, uh, because that, that makes sense uh, of Christmas. Uh, if, if you're a cat person, um, which I don't know why you'd be a cat person, but if you are a cat person, you can get a cat nativity uh, set. And the, the worst one of all on Amazon, there is a nativity set for hipsters. Uh, complete with Joseph. <laughs> Joseph and Mary, are they're taking a selfie. Uh, the shepherds have Amazon packages, and, and uh, the animals are 100% certified organic. So it's, you can get just about uh, a nativity, uh, whatever kind of nativity set you want. And for me, that raises a question, uh, which is, what is wrong with us? <laughs> like, what is, there's something deeply flawed within human beings. But uh, no, like, what, when we look in uh, the nativity, often what we, what we want to see there is, is ourselves, or what we love. And more seriously, what I, what I just want to do, in, in, in a shorter uh, space than normal for a sermon this morning, just pause and ask our own selves, when you, when you look at the nativity... When you bust out the nativity scene and you see all the different pieces, what, when you see Jesus, when you see the nativity, what is it that you see? And this morning, I want us to see just what John the Baptist saw when he saw Jesus, which is Jesus as the Lamb of God. And my guess is for most of us, when we look at nativity, the lamb gets like the least play. It's like the shepherds, the kings, the baby Jesus, Joseph, Mary, like some of the animals are just like kind of off to the side. But, but when John looked into the coming of Jesus into the world, he saw the Lamb of God. And so that's what I want to look at. And, and really two, two things John says he sees when he sees the Lamb of God. And the first being the Lamb of God takes away our sin. And sin, it's a religious word and almost a word like we, we sort of have a wink of the eye with. Like sin is that extra piece of chocolate you grab at Christmas time, that extra cookie. It's that like the temptation that you have is sort of drawing you away from, from, from what is good or, or what is true. Sin almost kind of comes with uh, the word, with the wink of an eye. It's a, it's a religious word. I think that often just kind of just brings up various uh, things for us. But, but I think oftentimes when we think of sin, we think of sin as something that other people have. Right? We think of sinners are other people, not, not necessarily us. And so when John, when John says and calls Jesus the Lamb of God, one idea he may have had in mind at that point is that, that Jesus was born into a nation called, called Israel. And um, Israel at this time that he was born was occupied by an, a foreign nation called Rome. And I think as Americans, we can relate to this. We don't want to be ruled by anybody else, right? Like we, don't even want to, we don't want to be ruled by even like our own government sometimes. Right? We're, we're, we're freedom type of people. And so we can imagine the Israelites were very frustrated by being ruled with Rome. And they imagined that one day there'd be a, a victorious king who would come and free them, free Israel from this foreign ruler, Rome, who, who didn't, uh, the rulers didn't know God, they didn't love God, they, they oppressed the people of Israel. And so they were waiting, and they were waiting for someone to come and deliver them. And so a lot of Israelites at this time, they wrote down prayers, they wrote down stories, they wrote down like dreams they had of, of, 
of a, a, a victorious figure coming and delivering Israel from Rome. And one of the images that was pretty popular was the image of a lamb, a lamb that would come and take, away, take out all the sinners, get rid of the sinners, and let God's people rule in, in Jerusalem. And, and that may have been what John the Baptist had in mind. When he says, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. A lot of people would have had this sort of lamb figure in mind, this victorious conquering lamb who would come in and take out all of, of the sinners. And the reason I think John may have thought this is because if you, if you fast forward to later in John the Baptist's life, there's a moment when he's in prison and it's pretty clear he's about to die and he sends some messengers to Jesus and he asks Jesus, are you the Messiah? Are you the one who I thought was coming or do I need to wait for another one? And the reason John is asking Jesus, this is because John is, is in prison. It looks like the sinners are winning. The sinners are going to kill John the Baptist. Take him, take him out. The, the evil people are, are exerting their power over Jesus, over John the Baptist. So he asks Jesus, are you, the, are you the one? And Jesus' response is, is essentially yes. Yes, I'm the one, but I'm not, I'm not the one you thought necessarily. I'm, I'm not a conquering lamb who overcomes my enemies through power and might. And so when John says, behold the Lamb of God, that may have been one idea he had in mind, but he probably had another idea in his mind, which is, is if you thought of a lamb and you were a Jewish person, you lived in Israel, you always thought of this thing called the Passover. And the reason Israel was even a nation is because when, they were, when, they were, uh, when these people were slaves in Egypt, God came to them and said, I'm going to free you out of Egypt and I'm going to give you a land to, to live in. But in. And the night that God freed his people from Egypt, from slaves, was a night called Passover. And what happened that night was God, God went to his people and said, listen, this night you are to sacrifice a lamb. And when you sacrifice the lamb, you're to, to put blood on your doorpost, and that will be a sign that you are my people, and I will pass over you and, and save you and deliver you from, from Egypt. And so built into the idea of the Jewish people was that the, the lamb died instead of the firstborn Son, that's who the lamb died instead of. That if you didn't put the blood on the post, the firstborn son would die instead. And so the Jewish people came up with this idea, the lamb takes away the sin. The lamb dies instead of us. And so whatever John meant in this moment when he looks at Jesus and says, behold the lamb of God. He had all of these ideas going through his head. The lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But the, the most important idea John had in his mind is that Jesus is the lamb. He deals with sin. He takes it he takes it away. And this is really one of the, the unique messages about Christianity and what we celebrate at Christmas is that we, every one of us, not other people, it's not outside of us, every one of us, we are sinners. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and yeah, I would say that's a deeply hopeful message because if that's true, if we, we Christians are as much sinners as anyone else in the world, it means, it means we can never look down on anyone else. We, can never, we can't think of ourselves superior Right? We're not the good people that then the Lamb comes to, to liberate us from the bad. No, we are all sinners, and the Lamb comes to take away our sin. And when we say sinners, it's not just like a piece of chocolate or like we're really evil, but, but sin, all that sin is, is it's why like sometimes as a father, even though I love my kids to, to death, why sometimes I get, I get frustrated and say things I shouldn't, or anger comes out in me in a way that I, I don't want it to come out. Why, why I have to go to my kids sometimes and say, forgive me, I've, I've sinned, I've, I've done, done wrong. Sin at the end of the day, it's, it's, all it is is this idea that we are not, we have the sense we're not who we're supposed to be. And the reason, according to the Bible, we're not who we're supposed to be is because we, we don't know God the way we're supposed to know God. And that's why at Christmas, 
Jesus comes, the Lamb of God, to take away our sin, to remove that gap, that distance between us and God. So when you look, in, when you look at your nativity set later today, when you look at Jesus, the Lamb of God, do you see your sin, your brokenness? Because the reasons that, that, that I say things I shouldn't or do things I shouldn't is because there's this distance between me and God that the Lamb has, has entered into this world to overcome, to, to take away. So the Lamb, it takes away our sin. That's the first thing John means when he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away our sin of the world. But the second thing John would, would see in the Lamb is that the Lamb pours out God's love. That as John was talking about a lamb, he would, have, he would have had another scripture in mind in addition to the Passover. And he would have thought about the book of, of Isaiah. And those of you who know me, you know my oldest son is named Isaiah. It's my favorite book um, in the Bible. And there, there's a reason for that. Because in, in Isaiah, he, he imagines this, this victorious king who's going to come and, and set up a, a reign of peace for God's people. And so in the early book of Isaiah, it's the, the, the figure is depicted as this powerful king, this mighty God, this counselor, this, this powerful figure who can do um, what he, he wants, and this is the Messiah, and everybody reads that and knows it's clear, it's the Messiah. But, but in the latter half, the end of the book of Isaiah, he starts talking about another figure, a figure who suffers, a figure who, who, who's, who's broken, who's weak. And, and people for, for a long time wondered, who is Isaiah talking about? The first half of the book, there's this powerful king. The second half, who is this suffering servant? And this is what Isaiah says about the suffering servant in Isaiah 53. So surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we are like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And so everyone who read these, these verses when Isaiah wrote them was like, who's the lamb? <laughs> who's, who's, the suffering, who's the suffering servant? And it's only when Jesus comes we, we find that the figure at the first half of Isaiah, the mighty God, the powerful king, the wonderful counselor, is the same figure as the suffering servant, the lamb Led like a lamb, or the person led like a lamb to a slaughter. And it raises a question. Why would a Messiah, mighty God, powerful king, who can do whatever he wants, why, why would he become the lamb led to the slaughter? And John unpacks this in John 3.16. The whole reason Jesus comes, the whole reason the God of the universe enters into the form of an infant to save us is because, famous verse, John 3.16, for God so loved the world... For God so loved the world, he gave his only, one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. God's disposition towards us, the world, is love. And it's important we understand, when, when John uses the word lo- world, it's not like the earth. It's not just a place. When John talks about world, um, it's always negative. It's people rebelling against God. It's people who don't want God. It's people who are, are content with darkness and to, to, to stay away from God. So when, when when John says that God loved the world, he's talking about us, sinners. No matter how far you feel from God, no matter how broken you feel, God loves you. And so when you look into the nativity, don't you see, don't you see your sin? See God's love. Do you see God's love? 
Because really, there's a couple of ways you and I, we can look at Christmas. And they're depicted pretty well. If you're like me, you've just probably had your radio tuned to Christmas songs uh, nonstop. And if you listen to the Christmas, if you listen to the lyrics, these two ways of approaching Christmas are obvious. First way, uh, here comes Santa Claus. Um, I, I never realized this verse or this part of the song until I actually listened to it. This is very, these are very strange lyrics, but I still love the song, just to be clear. But I, it's very strange lyrics. Um, but here comes Santa Claus. There's a part of the song that goes, Peace on earth will come to us if we just follow the light. So let's give thanks to the Lord above. Santa Claus comes tonight. It, make, it makes, I mean, that makes perfect sense when you think about it. Um, but no, it's peace on earth will come if you follow the light. Right? So at Christmas, all, the light is coming to the world, and if you follow it, then you get peace. It's all on you. you be, listen, you better get it together. You better follow the light. You better figure it out. You better clean up your act. Follow the light, then you get peace. But there's a better Christmas song than that. And it's a song we actually, it's not on the radio right now, but it's a song that depicts the lamb who gave his life for us out of love. Not so that if you follow the light good enough, then you can, then you can celebrate Christmas. No, the lamb, the lamb does everything for us. It's a song that the, the Christians uh, sing in the new heavens and new earth. John the evangelist who wrote the gospel of John, when he's, he's taken up into heaven, he sees the people of God singing to the lamb. And here's the song they sing in Revelation 5. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation, you've made them a kingdom of priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing." What's going on in that strange song? Is it Jesus, the Lamb of God, who is, is, is worshipped, is sung to by a heavenly choir because he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. His blood was shed to ransom us back to God. He is the Lamb who defeated the, the, the death, darkness, and sin. He's the Lamb who rescued us broken people with his love and has given us a new hope and a new future. So the message of Christmas is not, you better follow the light. The message of Christmas is the lamb is worthy. He's been slain. His blood has been shed to, to ransom you back to God. And so this Christmas, of all the ways you can you know, pull out whatever weird nativity set you've got at your house, um, when, you, when you pull that out, will you see the lamb in the manger this year? Will you make the main thing the main thing? That when you're telling the story to your kids or when you're, you're thinking on the story with a friend, when you're gathered with your family this, this day, will you believe God has come into the world, the Lamb of God, to take away your sin, to shed his blood for you, to bring you back to God? And may we see him for who he is. May we worship our Savior and our Lord, born of the Virgin Mary, surrounded by sheep, yet the one true Lamb of God. Let us pray. Our Father, you have given us your Son, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, who takes away my sin, who loves me and who loves every person in this room. So we are not worthy of you, God, but Jesus is worthy, and we come to you in his name. We pray all these things in his name. Amen.